Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Roar. This is your host tonight, Nick Pollock, and I am joined by not one, but two just beautiful human beings here with me. First up, Mr. Matt Fulipovitz. Matt, how are you? Nick, I got a library card yesterday, and I was immediately Ooh. overwhelmed by the resources that were uh, that were offered to me. Uh, it's like a language learning app I can get. Uh, a whole bunch of magazines and a bunch of cookbooks on top of the other resources. So I've, uh, I've spent a lot of the day wrapping my head around this new world I have in front of me. But other than that, I'm great. Libraries have really had to uh, evolve in mm-hmm. the current day and age because they've become rather uh, obsolete with the, you know, the rise of everything being on the Internet. But libraries are really awesome if you take the chance to actually go and check them out. So I highly recommend everybody doing exactly what Matt did today and, you know, go learn more about your local library. This is sponsored by me, Nick Pollock, as a former elementary school teacher. We are also joined tonight by Mr. Bill DeFilippo. How you doing, Bill? Uh, pretty good. I think a thing that I've never told you guys about me is that my life's mission is to destroy the American library system. So <laughs> everything about the start of the podcast. But no, all seriousness, uh, Penn State football's back this week. How could I not be good? Yeah, it is a wonderful time to be a college football fan because we are officially back, baby. And, you know, those first couple games in week zero, we got a lot of weird stuff happening. So oh, it's good for us. For... That scratched an itch for mm-hmm. sure for me. Yeah, we were able to just dive all the way right back in. Real quick before we continue, if you are not already, please make sure you are subscribed to this podcast. Make sure you like it wherever you're listening to this. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you like, subscribe, hit the follow button, hit the alert button, all that good stuff. And real quick, if you've listened to the last couple episodes, you'll get this inside reference here. Thank you to Carson McCord, now official sponsor of the podcast with a $1 donation as a result of a couple podcasts ago. Um, If you have not listened to any of our position previews to this point or our schedule preview or the Big Ten preview that Bill did uh, just about a week ago, please make sure you go back, listen to all that good stuff. It'll have you fully prepared as we, you know, what we're five days, six days away from Penn State football. Well, I guess when you're listening to this, five days away from Penn State football now. So uh, make sure you are ready to go. Today, we are going to be going through pretty much our, you know, the last predictions we have left to make for Penn State football this year. We're going to talk about some player predictions under the radar picks, guys who we think could maybe be in the all Big Ten and all American discussion. Uh, We're going to talk about team predictions, what we think the team is going to end up doing this year in the regular season and beyond. We'll take a really quick glance at the rest of the Big Ten, and then we'll make some bold predictions to cap things off. So gentlemen, let's get right into this. And let's start with some under the radar picks for this year's Penn State team. Now, you can define under the radar however you would like here. I know we've gone through a couple different you know definitions of that term already, um, even just through our uh, preview stuff so far. But let's start on the offensive side on the ball. And Bill, let's start with you. Who do you have as an under the radar pick to click this year for the offense? So this was an interesting question because my answer is tied to another I don't want to say problem, concern, whatever you want to say uh, on Penn State's team, and that is on special teams. And mm. the guy that I'm picking is Caden Saunders. And the reason that I'm picking Caden Saunders is one, he comes in with he comes in with the blue chip background. Twenty four seven Sports had uh, by their composite rating had him as the number fifty five recruit in his class. He didn't play like the number five fifty re- number fifty five recruit in his class last season. He 
it seemed like he struggled to get used to life in college football, which is okay. That happens with true freshmen, uh, you know, all the time. This year, as Penn State is looking for kind of that third person to, uh, I don't want to say grab a wide receiver spot, but a third person be a consistent option. That means there is a path for him there potentially. And the reason that I'm picking him and the reason it's kind of tied to special teams is he's also a guy who, you know, we've mentioned this on the pod in the past. I want to see him potentially get an opportunity to be Penn State's guys returning kicks or returning punches, get him in that mix so we can see Caden Saunders go out there, get used to getting the football in his hands, get used to being a playmaker and building up his confidence a bit as a receiver. As someone who just can contribute at this level. So if he can go out there and do one of those things, I think that will, again, just instill that little bit of confidence he needs as a wide receiver to be a guy who could be a compliment to Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace. Yeah, I love the Caden Saunders pick. He's actually high out as well. So I'll call an audible and go with someone else here while Matt explains his. But yeah, I I, I love what you said, especially about, you know, we've heard in the past couple of days about how he's going to be probably very involved in as far as punt returning goes and i think that's a like you said it's a great chance to get the ball in his hands and just you know let him get more of a feel for what it's like to move on a d1 you know in a d1 football situation and a power five situation against you know that kind of speed and help him you know help him be ready to be more of a contributing factor for the receivers this year uh matt how about you who's your offensive guy so i'm sticking i'm sticking in this receiver room and and i if this how do i want to word this this is a tough one to really if you want to call him an under-the-radar player, but it's Harrison Wallace. This entire offseason, it's been Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace. But then I feel like a lot of the conversation is around Keandre Lambert-Smith becoming the alpha, and then a bunch of guys you know, being talked about as who's going to be the third guy. So it feels like we haven't really talked a lot about that presumed number two in Trey Wallace. I think Trey Wallace is a prime candidate for that third-year bump I'm always talking about. A former basketball player guy who didn't really get this power five interest until really late in their cycle. He still had to learn the ins and outs of being a wide receiver. I think with Marcus Hagens, a guy who develops receivers very consistently, j- just sets Trey Wallace up to be a very large part of this offense. I think Penn State's going to go 12 personnel a ton. I think they're going to have their best cor- opponents are going to have their best corner on Keandre Lambert Smith. That's going to free Trey Wallace up, I think, a lot of the time to be that deep down the field threat that's going to be open. And then, you know, this physical aspect of his game in that he can jump out of the gym. He's proven he can high point footballs. He was making good plays down the stretch. So I'm going to give it to Trey Wallace as my under the radar guy. Again, it feels weird saying that because, again, the whole offseason it's been it's Keandre and it's Trey. But again, we've always been spending all this time talking about the third guy. And Keandre as that alpha dog, it just feels like Trey Wallace has kind of fallen between the cracks a little bit. And I want to make sure that we acknowledge that he's a really good football player. And he was my pick to lead this team in receiving touchdowns when we did a receivers preview a couple weeks ago. And I'm standing by that. I think Trey Wallace is going to be a, a huge weapon for Drew Aller in this offense. Yeah, I mean, all we really know, right, is that we expect him to be the surefire number two. So I think, you know, making any sort of prediction about him having big numbers absolutely counts as under the radar. Uh, For me, I'm going to go to the offensive line, and I'm going to go with somebody who kind of started to break out a little bit last year. I'm going to go with Vega Ione. I am a bit worried about, you know, it seems like Landon Tengwall is, you know, 
pretty definitively injured at this point. Does not seem like he is has been practicing for a, a while now. I don't, I'm not expecting to see him on the field week one. Um, I like JB Nelson. I like Sal Wormley. I think they're both able to do good things at guard. But I think Ione just has that nasty streak we talked about in the offensive line preview. He's got a nasty streak that just doesn't really exist as much with the other guys in that room. And I don't know that Wormley or Nelson is going to do anything to necessarily lose their job per se, but I could see Ione really pushing them pretty early on in the season. And I think once he gets in there, he is not going to lose that job. And I think the run game is just going to take off even more with him in front. I really like what Ione brings to the table. So that's fine. Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. And Bill, we'll let you start again. Who is your defensive player that you think is going to bust out from under the radar this season? Uh, hold on one second. I forgot to pull something up that I need for this, but it, th- this is, it's a weird answer. Uh, I think that we've spent so much time focusing on the three pass rushers, Abdul Carter and Kalen King. You know, that's mm-hmm. five guys on the defense Four you know, four of them are going to be playing uh, together with some frequency, whatever. One guy I feel like has flown pretty far under the radar is Curtis Jacobs. And I think that we've seen Jacobs do a lot of really good stuff throughout his Penn State career. Last season, 52 tackles, seven and a half for loss, four sacks, an interception, uh, which he took back for a touchdown and uh, recovered a pair of fumbles, forced to fumble. The tackle for loss number, the sack number, the defensive touchdown number, a passes defended number of two, uh, a fumble recovery number, and the forced fumble number are were all career highs for him. And no one talked about any of that because everyone was talking about how good Abdul Carter was and how good Jair Brown was, how good there's and all these different guys. And I think back to something that a noted guy who was wrong about Penn State once, Matt Miller, wrote uh, for ESPN <laughs> in his 2024 <laughs> NFL draft preview. This dude, that dude is exactly what the linebacker position is becoming. And an AFC national scout said he can absolutely fly. And he has production on three downs. Watch him play in space. I don't think you'd ever have to take him off the field. Another AFC general manager, Fashanu gets all the praise there. uh, And he's great. But Jacobs might be a top five player in the class when it's all said and done. So I, I think when we're top, whoa, 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 yes, top five yes, player in the class, like NFL draft pick and AFC general manager said this, uh, it might be Chris Ballard of the Colts, or it might be someone who's actually good at their job. I don't know, but I say just all, Jim Irsay. Well, no, like said, said, dream. yeah, it's possible. But I said all of that to say this. No one has talked about Curtis Jacobs this off season. Every, Every bit of discourse around Penn State football is around those other guys. And I think that with all the attention on those other guys, it's setting up for Curtis Jacobs to have the best year of his career and a just absolutely monster final year as a college football player. So I'm going to say him. I think the only pushback I have to Curtis Jacobs, and I love Curtis Jacobs in the role he's in. I think when we saw him last year when he got moved over to the Will linebacker position that now Abdul Carter um, fills that role, but before Carter was getting that playing time, when it was Jacobs over there, I feel like the defense overall, I I feel like Jacobs himself suffered. I feel like he wasn't as... 
he just wasn't as impactful in that role. And he, he's you know, not he really a will to step up with Carter. Yeah. yeah. Like he, he, like he, he, I think he's proven now that he is a Sam, like he's much more comfortable on that side. He's that space he's is huge better with a guy yeah. like Abdul Carter there also. And I, I mean, I love Curtis Jacobs. He's awesome. That I would love to see it. Well, me, well, well let, me, let, me, fascinating. let me, let me ask you this, uh, Nick, when you think about guys who are under the radar, do you yeah. think Curtis Jacobs has even been on anyone outside of a, you know, a very small sect of Penn state fans who view him as a known commodity? Do you think he, have you seen him on a single radar in any bit of discussion around this Penn state football team? Not this year. No last year. Yes. So yes, I'm right. Not there this we go. Year, no. Boom. Yeah. Thank you yeah, for he, listening. He everyone. We appreciate sure. the pot. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Matt, who you got? So I'm going, I'm going to fellow Maryland product here and I'm going with Kaziah Izzard. I really mm-hmm. like Kaziah Izzard. He played, I have it in front of me, the fourth most snaps amongst defensive tackles last year. And that's despite missing, I believe the first month of the season due to an undisclosed reason. We, we never really found out what it was. And Izzard is an impactful guy. And the reason I think he really flew under the radar is Penn State's defensive tackle room got ripped to shreds by the media and by Franklin to kind of an extent after the Michigan game. And a lot focused on Hakeem Beeman, who definitely did need to bulk up. And then it quickly became, well, Zane Durant's not what we thought he was going to be as a true freshman. And then Jordan Vandenberg weightlifting videos started popping up. And then all of these guys came in. Alonzo Ford came in for that little bit before he got hurt. And it felt like all of these guys were getting talked about. And Izzard was hurt for a lot of the spring, but he is full go if we're, if we're, you know, feeling pretty confident he's full go ahead of this season. That's why I think he's kind of flown under the radar, but he's a really impactful player. I think he's really disruptive. He's listed right now at 294. We'll have a better idea of what the roster actually is when like people are in the press box here in a couple of days. It wouldn't shock me if he's like 298 in like that 300 pound range. So, you know, let's call him essentially 300 pounds. And if he can maintain the disruption that he caused last year at that weight, I think he's a guy none of us are talking about nearly enough. No matter who he lines up next to, you know, Adisa Isaac, Chop Robinson, Denai Dennis Sutton, there's going to be a great edge rusher there to take pressure off of him. And it wouldn't surprise me if Kaziah Izzard performs to like a third team, all Big Ten caliber level later. Like, I think he definitely has that in him. Now, I think without that much in front of him, I feel like if he's not a starter game one because of the injury coming back from that, he's probably going to be a starter by October. But now with PJ Mustafer out of the way and now with him bulking up to that level and, you know, hopefully not serving any kind of suspension that sort of this year, we don't think he is, but we didn't think he was last year. I just feel really confident that that's a guy that at least I'm not hearing a lot about that. I feel confident can be a very disruptive player for this team. My pick is similar to Bill's in that it's somebody that everybody knows is a starter. Everybody, you know, Penn State people, they know their name, but it's not really somebody who gets national headlines. For me, that's Jalen Reed. I really, really, I really love what Reed does at safety. I've loved it since the second he got to campus. Um, I just, I love his playing style. He really seems to enjoy playing that like center field type role and he just flies around the field. I think it's notable that he has seemed to maintain his hold on a starting spot, despite all the hype we've heard about Zaki Wheatley, about KJ Winston. And not like they're both those guys are also going to play along with Keaton Ellis. Like all four of those guys are going to play a lot at safety, 
but I really like what Jalen Reed brings to the table. And I think he's actually, you know, we'll get here, but I think he's actually going to end up being a uh, pretty notable player as far as the all conference teams go. He he's my pick. I, I think he's going to have a really special season at safety. I think he's going to be, you know, I don't know that he's going to be as good as Jaquan Brisker or Jair Brown. That's asking a lot, but I think he's going to be the next safety to really step up into the, you know, like this is an NFL guy type mold. Before we move on here, guys, bonus, bonus, bonus selections here. Do you have any special teamers for under the radar? Bill, do you? I have one. Well, I, I mean, I kind of gave that answer right second Caden Saunders. With Caden, so, yeah. Caden mm-hmm. yeah, Saunders, my, like, I don't, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and say uh, Sander Sahaduk, Alex Falcons, Alex Paquetta, Riley Thompson are under the radar guys until I actually get out there. And, you know, until they actually get out there and we see them kick a little bit more. I'm doing, uh, no. I'm going with number zero. If he's under the radar, even though he's a captain mm-hmm. and got number zero, but we don't talk about Dom DeLuca's kick coverage last year nearly enough because nobody cares about kick coverage. But I keep going back to that play he made against Purdue where after Sean Clifford leads the what turned out to be the game-winning drive, you kick the ball off without Jordan Stout. It was the first game post-Jordan Stout. It was Gabe Nuosu, I think, doing kickoffs, and he couldn't get touchbacks. So the return team got action for the first time in like half a decade, it felt like. And Dom DeLuca goes down there, tackles Char- Charlie Jones, the reigning Big Ten returner of the year, inside his own 20. Like, And he did that. Game after game after game. He was making special teams tackles. It felt like at least three times a game on kickoffs. I was really impressed with what he gave them. And, you know, it's going to be easier to find him now that he's rocking number zero. But on kickoffs, I'm, I'm going to be absolutely watching out for Dom DeLuca, seeing where he's getting down the field and seeing him continue to make plays in that regard. Because I was really impressed with that last year. I like that one a lot. I wonder how much, like, he, so, like, when he eventually moves on, like, Dom DeLuca is going to at least latch on to a roster in the NFL for preseason stuff, you know, cause that's yeah, going to be a receiver for the Patriots. Exactly. The type of guy like you need guys to play in the preseason. You need guys to play special teams. I wonder what his chances are at sticking on. Cause he's going to be a standout special teamer. I think still in the NFL, the, the question is going to come down to, does he add enough value as like an backup linebacker as well? It's going to be an interesting one when we finally get there. Moving on. And we've touched on this with some of these guys already because we've talked about some pretty high profile names here. But moving on to guys that we think could potentially be all Big Ten and all American type players. So obviously the Big Ten teams, they go three teams deep. They have honorable mentions. There's coaches and media. So in order to whittle this down a little bit, because you could essentially probably name most of the starting lineup as guys who have a chance at being named for second or third teamers. Let's just lock in here and let's all make some picks on who guys will be that we think will be named first team all Big Ten selections by either the coaches or the media. It doesn't have to be both. But Bill, actually, Matt, let's start with you. We can start with Bill for everything. Matt, who are the guys that you think are going to end up on the Big Ten first team when all is said and done in 2023? I think Penn State will have six players on the first team team across the board. I have Nick Singleton, but not as a running back. I think he's going to get there as a kick returner. 
without sort of trying my flag okay. on that front. There's just too many dudes. Like, sure. W- w- yeah. What year was it that Jabril, Jabril Peppers won Big Ten Linebacker of the Year when it like clearly should have gone to Brandon Bell? Was that like 2016? Yeah, it must have been. Um, yeah. I have no like faith in that kind of stuff. It, you know, it's just cool talking points, honestly. But I think you know, with with the Corum hype, with the um, oh my goodness, Donovan Edwards hype. I think Travion Henderson. There's just so many good backs. You know, if you Braylon give me Singleton, oh, yeah, Singleton or the field, like the smart money is take the field as much as I love Singleton. So put me Singleton for a kick returner. Offensively, I'm going to go with Olu Fashanu at left tackle, and I'm going to go okay. with Theo Johnson gets first team over like what Brevin Span Ford or like Cade Stover. I think Theo is going to be such a big part of the offense. It's him. And then on defense, I'm going to go with, <clears throat> excuse me, Abdul Carter, Kalen King, and I'm going to give it to Curtis Jacobs on his last go around. So those are my, those are my six. All right, Bill, how about you? Uh, I'm going with five guys uh, on the first team, and it's basically all the same guys that Matt had. I, I think Singleton actually does get on there as a running back. Uh, wow, I, all right. I, I, when when we do bold predictions later, I think you'll understand why I'm going there. Okay. Um, Olu along the offensive line. I have Chop Robinson going on the defensive line. I think one guy on Penn State's defensive line is going to be the one who eats the most. And the guy who eats the most is going to be the one who gets the first team defensive line nod. I think it's going to be Chop. And then the obvious ones, Abdul Carter and Caleb King. All right. I actually have seven personally. I think Nick Singleton does get there. I don't know if it's as running back or I believe, don't they have a utility first team position as well oh that's a good thought they might they might I believe they do so i i don't know which one of those two but i think he does get first team um i think olu fashanu does too i you know when you're olu fashanu when you get this type of hype in the preseason you really just have to not be terrible to make it so uh, i think he gets there i have hunter norzad getting there as a first teamer i have him second team Yeah. yeah Um, and then on the defensive side, I have Chop, I have Abdul Carter, I have Kalen King, and then I've got my guy, Jalen Reed. First wow. team safety. Here All it right. comes. Wow. Yeah. I like it, Nick. Any, any, I mean, this kind of the same as under the radar, but any surprise guys you think will come out of nowhere and get a second or third team nod? Let's start with you, Matt. Anyone comes to mind there? Norzad, I think, is for sure going to be a second team guy. I think he was hurt a lot more last year than we're willing to like admit. Like, I think he he missed some time early on. I don't think he ever really found his footing. Him at center is going to be great. Uh, who else do I want to put in here? I'm going to put I'm going to put Deny Dennis Sutton and Chop both in here at second team. I think they're going to come pretty close to to being on the fringe of being first team. And I'm just going to give it to the kid. I'm going to give it to Drew. I think Drew Aller is going to make second team All Big Ten. That's what I was searching for. Bill, do you think mm-hmm. Drew Aller has a chance? Uh, I think that coming into this season, I I think he's probably going to be the third team guy. And there are two reasons for this. One, I think Penn State's running backs are just going to be so, so impactful this year that it's going to lighten the amount that he has to do, which, you know, it's a, a thing we said sure. on a million pods. And then two, uh, as I look through it, J.J. McCarthy coming back. I think he has a spot. And then for all the consternation, the correct, like, it's totally justified that Ohio State's quarterback room has, like, Ohio State quarterbacks just put up the kind of numbers to get there. And if not them, Mm -hmm. I don't, like, 
do I think Talia Tagovailoa is going to be an NFL guy? No. Do I think that Maryland's offense is going to basically say, Talia, we want you to pad your stats as much as possible so you can get one of those spots? Yes. So I like, I just think two of those three guys are going to get there over him, but you know, I, he's going to be really good. I, I we it's a thing that we've said again, thing we've said before, I think our is going to start the year slow and pick up steam as it goes along, which really helps him in award voting. But I think going into the season, I'd pick probably some combination of JJ Talia and then, uh, whatever guy Ohio State throws out there to lose in the college football playoff semifinal. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. Um, the more, even more prestigious part of this now, the All-American teams. So Penn State, I believe, had they had three preseason, pre-season All-Americans, I believe. Yep. Kalen, Kalen Carter and Olu all got on there, I think. I think it might have been Chop. Or Chop, yeah. yeah it was something like it that. Sounds right. So this one will expand at the first or second team, you know, just because it's a lot more prestigious. I will say AP has three teams. So I think we can expand all American out to three teams since, you know, that the gold standard does that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of, you know, you're competing against the entire country, obviously. So it's, it's more difficult to get on that than it is to get first team big 10. So I think it's fair to say that. So Bill, who do you think on this roster this year is going to end the year as an all American? I think the five guys that I said uh, will end up being first team all Big Ten guys would be my pick. I do think it's really important to stress that last year, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama uh, all had five guys who made, you know, across all of the uh, AP All American teams. So if Penn State's able to get five guys, that's matching what those three programs did last year. Uh, Nick Singleton, Olu Fashanu, Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter, Kalen King. The, I probably feel the worst about Chop among that group, but I think those four guys coming into the season Singleton, Olu, Carter, and King all have a really, really, really good shot uh, to earn an All American now this year. So, you know, put the. Put the total at four and a half. I'd probably, for betting purposes, take the under, but the optimistic side of me thinks it could end up being five guys. The four and a half, the betting angle of it is interesting because the opportunity that Nick Singleton has to make it as both a running back and a kick returner might actually push me to the over. Yeah. Yeah, that might actually put me to the over on four and a half. Uh, Matt, who you got? Olu. Excuse me, Olu, Chop, Abdul, Kalen King, and Nick Singleton. So give me five. And then I've got four. I've got Singleton, Olu, Carter, and Kalen King. I think Chop comes up just short because I think I don't know that Chop or Adisa like takes the lion's share of the yeah. sacks. I think they end up getting split pretty evenly. So yeah. I think that could be the only thing holding him back. I but I the national media hype about Chop for the preseason, I think does play in his favor real quick. Um, I know we have our own, every single person this podcast has their own. Do you want to call it gripes with PFF? Did you see PFF released <laughs> their like top 50 draft prospects and Penn state has three guys in the top 10. Yeah. I showed it to you. Yeah. yeah all right. Well, confirm. All right. Give it, confirmed, give it away baby. the game bill for the audience. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that would be really cool. If Penn state had three players go in the top 10, um, but I, I am fascinated by some of this hype that these guys are getting. And if it's, if it's real, like I think chops, a great player. I think chops, a first round pick. I don't know if chops top 10 good, or if he's going to put up top 10 stats just by nature of what's around him. 
Well, here the the thing with Chop was his PFF grade was incredibly good last year. Uh, so PFF is riding with him as one of one of their guys who ends up going in the top. That Kalen Kalen King was in a very similar boat, although he's uh, you know the consensus with him is a little bit more universal that he is going to be a top right. ten, uh, or he could be he could be a guy who pushes for a top ten spot. And then obviously mm-hmm. like Olu, you know, Olu is Olu. Oh, oh, you yeah. you read any NFL draft analysis, and Olu is either the first or second tackle, who's or first or second offensive lineman who's going to be taken off the board. So, yeah. Despite you know everybody's very justified split feelings on PFF, as always, PFF PFF exists to confirm your priors and ridicule when they don't. Um, it's and whether or not you believe the things they say or not, which there's plenty of reasons not to. But either way, it gets your name out there more. Like there's whether or not everybody else is as on board with chop as PFF is the fact that they're hyping him so much just naturally gets his name into more of those conversations. So, you know, even if you don't love their analysis, it's still a good thing overall, right? One thing that we're not split on is home field apparel. We love home field apparel here at roar lines Roar. They've been the sponsor of the podcast since the inception. Well, not since the inception of the podcast, since we became a podcast only medium. And we have a deal for you right now as college football season fast approaches just a couple days away. Uh, you can go on. And when you order for the first time with a new email address and use the code RLR 23, all one word at checkout, you can get 15% off of your first order. And that is especially prudent to use right now as the can't miss kickoff campaign is raging for home field apparel if you have not gone on and checked out some of the stuff they've released do yourself a favor and go and do that right now because they've been releasing some really awesome bomber jackets there's not a penn state one unfortunately but the florida one is beautiful the Ole miss one is beautiful and all the new Ole miss stuff they just released is beautiful yeah. the kansas state one is gorgeous yeah the is. pit one would be great if it didn't say pit is it on the back the michigan state one's pretty good and honestly though my favorite on there is the west virginia one which timely penn state's yes. week one opponent they also have the uh, football boxes, if you haven't seen those yet, bundles with you know multiple pieces of apparel for you know Florida's on there, Colorado's on there, there's a couple more. Michigan, unfortunately, is on there, but uh, hopefully you're not a Michigan fan if you're listening to this. But you can go on and order any of those things or anything from the Penn State line or any other school. As you know, Home Field does its research, find designs that really resonate with you, beautiful materials. They're fun to wear. I'm wearing the wrestling shirt right now. Again, one of my favorites. Um, and if you use that code RLR23, again, you can get 15% off of that first order at checkout. Well worth it. Make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com. Check out everything they have and support the podcast when you do so. Let us move on, gentlemen, to team predictions. Now, we've gone through all these individual Penn State predictions, but now it's start. It's time to start talking about more of what we expect from the Penn State team at large this year. Before we make our regular season predictions here, I'm going to really quickly just run through the schedule to remind you both and everybody else listening. Penn State opens the season at home against West Virginia, at home against Delaware, goes on the road to Illinois, back home against Iowa, back home against Northwestern. Then they have the bye week, home against UMass, on the road at Ohio State, home against Indiana, at Maryland, home against Michigan, at Rutgers, home against Michigan State. As Matt and I discussed in the schedule breakdown podcast, it's a very, very friendly schedule. It's as friendly of a schedule as you could hope for if you are Penn State here. So things do set up quite well. So let's get into probably the biggest question that everybody wants to know, gentlemen, and that is what Penn State's final regular season record is going to be. 
Bill, let's start with you. What is your line in the sand here? And if you have them losing a game or a couple games, who do you think they lose to? Yeah, I, it's the thing that I've been on all offseason. I think they're going to finish 10-2. and two. I think they're going to lose to Ohio State, and I think they're going to lose to Michigan. Now, what I will say is that this is where I am coming into the season. If we get through the Illinois and the Iowa games in particular, and we get more of a sense of, uh, you know, Penn State has really bulked up along the lines. They're not going to be pushed around. In the trenches, they're going to give Drew Aller time to throw, which I'm not as concerned about. They're going to really be able to bottle up an interior running game. I'm going to change that to 11 and one. I'm going to think they knock off Michigan, even though I think uh, even though I think Michigan is a better team than Ohio State. Styles make fights. I think Penn State just match would just be able to beat Michigan a little bit better. It a little more likely to beat Michigan in Happy Valley than I do. Uh, them beating Ohio State about two miles down the road for me. So right now I'm going to go with 10 and two. That's a very um, flimsy 10 and two. It would not take a lot to convince me this team is going to finish 11 and one. But as we're entering the season, I think that's ultimately where I land. It's a it's a diplomatic 10 and two. That's how I it, it's 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 a te- it's a 10 and two that like I'm not going to. S- I'm not going to put a hundred dollars down on Penn state winning exactly 10 games because I don't know. Like I, if I had to put a percentage on it, I would probably say 50% 10 wins, 40% 11 wins, uh, 10% 12 wins. Like I legitimately think this has the potential to be a team that runs the table. I think they have that kind of talent. And if a few things break their way, they could do that. But I, you know, I just say I have give that little bit of an edge to them being a 10 win team. Sure. Yeah. Perfectly reasonable. Flip, what you got? Gentlemen, it's here. We <laughs> finally made it. I can finally shut up because we have reached the window season and the window year. I think this is going to be the best team of the James Franklin era. With that being said, it is basically impossible for a team to go undefeated in the regular season. So I have Penn State at 11 and 1. And I've gone back and forth on what game I think they're going to lose. There's part of me that was like, oh, you know, they could beat Ohio State and Michigan and then lose a dumb one. I I don't think it's where it's going to fall. Put me down for a loss against Michigan at home. I still think stylistically that's just a tougher matchup that late in the season. I feel confident Michigan's going to have one of their excellent running backs healthy and ready to go. And I, I just, I don't buy it with Ohio state this year. Like I, I, I think Ryan day, all of urban has been flushed out of Columbus program wise. Now it's all Ryan days guys. I don't think Ryan day has that killer instinct. And I think the Ohio native drew Aller going home and beating the Buckeyes in Columbus is very realistic. So I have them at 11 and one. This is the best team under James Franklin. And I think it has the potential to be the best season under James Franklin. So I'm going with 11 and one here. I also have 11 and one. Is my That's pick. right, Nick. Welcome aboard. I do think that they drop the game at Ohio state and they beat Michigan at home. Again, I agree with bill. I think Michigan is actually the better team here, but 
Penn State, for whatever reason, for all the negative energy they bring with themselves when they go to Ann Arbor, they completely flip that switch when they play Michigan at home in Beaver Stadium. Even a couple of years ago, they were by far the inferior team to the Wolverines, and they were still one Eric All crossing route away from beating that team. By the way, Eric All, that's the reason I think Theo Johnson is not first team Big Ten, because he's at Iowa now with Cade McNamara, and Iowa loves its tight ends, and Eric All is pretty good. Um, Brian Ferentz has entered the chat. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm the one thing I will say is I am actually like, if you were forcing me to pick between 12 and O and 10 and two, I think I might actually be more comfortable picking 12 and O I'm with you on that. I just hundred percent. I don't, I don't see them losing to both Ohio state and Michigan this year. Despite how good both of those teams are, I think this is just a it's a very, very well built Penn State team. I think the defense is going to be insane. Um, and I think the run game is going to do enough to give Drew Aller time to really settle in. And then once he does, I I think the, you know, there is no limit on the ceiling for this team. I think it's an incredibly, incredibly good football team. I think on the road at in at Ohio State, it's just going to be a little tough, and I think they'll lose a close game there. But I do have them beating Michigan and finishing eleven and one. Matt, knowing that you have them predicted eleven and one, what is your prediction for the postseason fate of Penn State here? Uh, I assume you have them in the Big Ten championship game. I, I am wondering what you have happening from there. Gentlemen, let's go to the playoff. Let's do it. Let's rip the Band-Aid okay. off. Let's join the group that's been to the playoff. Let's give the Big Ten their fourth playoff team in the 10-year history of the four-team playoff. Again, it, the perception of what I view of, of Penn State football and individual seasons is about to change drastically with both conference realignment and with the expansion of the playoff. But I really do believe that if Penn State is going to be one of the four best teams in college football, it looks like what this roster looks like. The first five-star quarterback in a decade, a talented and deep running back room with multiple guys who have proven they can do it at the Big Ten level. The first capital G good, hopefully, offensive line of the Franklin era. I'm a bit worried about receiver, but guys always step up. Bill made a great point about that a couple podcasts ago. This is such a stacked defense. I think this coaching staff is fantastic. The third year with Mike Yurcich, now the longest tenured offensive coordinator of the Franklin era. The Manny Diaz defense historically does really well in year two. Like, don't ask me about year three and year four. It's a bit different. But year two, it does pretty well in. I just think that the stars are aligning perfectly. Once they get to the playoff, I could care less what happens. That's the peak for me right now is making the playoff. Everything, if they go to the playoff and they lose... 90 to nothing, I will be over the moon. I couldn't care less at that point. I don't think that's the point of this whole thing. The regular season for me is the playoff. I want to see Penn State have the best regular season of the James Franklin era and then get to the playoff, and then whatever happens, happens. Well, Matt, you can speak in hypotheticals all you want, but this is a prediction podcast, so tell me. They get to the playoff, what happens? They win one, they lose the second one. Okay, okay. Bill, what are you thinking? I, I think it's going to end up a lot like the last two years. Uh, Penn State finishes. I, like, I think it's very possible that Penn State is viewed pretty unanimous, unanimously as the fifth or sixth best team in the country, and they finish third in the Big Ten East. And I think it's going to be similar to last year, where 
two teams ahead of them are going to get into the playoff. I think Ohio, I understand the concerns about Ohio state's quarterback situation with not having named one. I'll, I will think Ohio state's quarterback is not going to put numbers up when I actually see it. Uh, I'm, I'm more worried about their offensive line than I am their quarterback. So just, just a dog year yeah. that as we go into the season, but I think their defense is going to be quite good. Their skill position players are going to be quite good. I think that is an 11 win team. I think Michigan is a 12 win team. Michigan is my pick for, wow. you know, we're going to get to this in a second. I, I think, I think Michigan other than Georgia is the best team in the country going into the season. And I think uh, that Michigan has, I, I think Georgia is more talented top to bottom, but I think Michigan doesn't have a question at the biggest position on the field, which is quarterback. So they might, they have a very big question when it comes to whether or not their coach is still going to be there after this year, neither here nor there, but I think Michigan makes it in. I think Michigan ends up being the number one or number two seed in the country, depending on what Georgia ends up looking like. And I think Ohio state similar to last year uh, is going to get the lower seed that doesn't end up playing Michigan. Penn state as a result, finishes fifth, sixth, seventh, something like that, and ends up making it to a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I think Penn State would be a New Year's Six Bowl caliber team, regardless of whether or not there were two big te- 10 teams going to the playoff. But I think they're going to get into uh, wherever wherever the best or second best Big Ten team that doesn't go to the playoff ends up going to, I think Penn State's going to that. And I think they're probably going to end up winning that game because I think they're going to be an excellent football team. Let's say Penn State goes does exactly what you just said, Bill. They go ten and two. They miss the playoff, and let's even let's even add that they win a New Year's Six Bowl. Are they the definitive like number five team of the playoff era? Um, I don't know. Yes, I mean, I, I think you can make an argument. Yes, three oh, New Year's oh, Six oh, wins. Uh, I I don't. That's one of those things I need to sit down and like act. Yeah, sit yeah. down. It's and go very through, off the but cuff. Like, yeah. Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, all definitely ahead of them. Um, you know, I if you just want to go off of uh teams, I guess I'm ignoring what Clemson did. Clemson, if you and that. if you just want to yeah. go off of teams are going to inherently be ahead of them because they have won a national title. Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, yeah. uh, LSU, and Georgia, there's five teams right there. And then if you want to go on top of that and add a team like a Michigan, Oregon, Oklahoma, uh, you know, suddenly there are seven teams right there. Who knows? Yeah, yeah it, it's a tough question. It's one I'll actually like probably sit down and think about it at some point. But like, if you want to change it, I went on to a, a, a pot of Rosedale and Iowa uh, podcast over the weekend. And I said, there's if Penn State misses the playoff, Penn State is going to have a really strong case for being the best team to never make it to the 14 playoff. And like, oh, I, I, I understand yeah. why, like, what a terrible that, place to live. And like I, I disagree with what Matt just said, but I understand why people like Matt view it that way. So whatever. I, it just, I it's, think it's, it's tough to be. Nobody wants to be the one guy, the, the guy who's closest to climbing the mountain. Like nobody remembers the guy who almost climbed Everest. I don't know. Like Penn State's in a very healthy place as a program, but again, they've had ten shots at this, and like six of them as a realistic threat to make it, and like they've missed, they've missed more. Like I, I don't know. Like I. I think I would argue it's worse to be the guy that's in the car in the parking lot watching the guy looking up at the mountain that people are climbing. Personally, I I don't I don't hope that you can get to the top from the car, though. I I I want Penn State 
to compete for national championships. I don't like. I, I completely disagree with you, Matt. If Penn State what does it look it, like if, though, if Bill? Penn State makes it to the playoff and gets runs off the field, that is an embarrassment. I want Penn State to be building towards being a national championship contender. I want Penn State to be able to one day win a national championship, and I don't think there is any honor in going to the dance and getting embarrassed because you're just getting embarrassed at some point. And I would rather they end the season on a high note than us go into the eight or nine month long layoff before a season going, Oh boy, the last time we saw Penn state out there, they got absolutely whooped up on by Georgia. But we kind of have that already with Ohio state. Flip, Flip, I have a question for you. Yeah. Hit me. Would you trade the last decade of Penn state for the last decade of Michigan state? No, absolutely not. But they went to the playoff. That's true. They did go to the playoff. And that's it's not a perfect system. Like, don't get me wrong. Also, I'm gonna go back to my point. Michigan State's a window program. When they were in their window, they didn't miss. They 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 got there. They climbed that peak. That matters to people. Like, you know, maybe it doesn't matter to everybody, but like I think that's a triumph if you went out there and you put together one of the four best teams in college football in any given year. I think Penn State has had one of the four best teams in college football in the playoff era but they lost games they shouldn't have. And they didn't get over that hump. Like seasons exist. Penn state as a program. Isn't like a big deal to me. I look at this as individual seasons. And this is again, if it does, if Penn state being a top four team looks like anything, I can't imagine it looking much different than what 2023 Penn state is shaping up to look like. Again, Penn state has multiple three first round picks in a draft on average once every like 20 years, this is the chance to do it. Penn State gets a five-star quarterback once a decade. Here we are. Like, everything's just lining up. And if Penn State's ever going to be, maybe I'm wrong. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But, like, if Penn State, if this doesn't look like a top four Penn State team, what would that team look like? I will save those thoughts for another time because we have more predictions to get to. And I Fair already enough. gave you too large of a soapbox to stand on. But Sorry. We will continue to talk about this going forward. Uh, for the record, I have Penn State uh, winning the Big Ten, making the college football playoff, losing to Georgia in the first round. Um, oh, and because I asked him and I forgot to share his picks before, uh, Matt, bad Matt, has Penn State going 11-1, and one, uh, losing to Ohio State, beating Michigan, um, and he does have them making the college football playoffs. That's as much information as I got from there. He has Nick Singleton, Olafishanu, Theo Rob. Theo, Theo Robinson, Theo Johnson, Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter, and Kalen King all making all Big Ten. Nick Singleton, Oli Fashanu, and Kalen King being named all Americans. Let us move on then to you know the more nuanced part of this. And just a really quick, let's go around the Big Ten. Since most of us didn't actually explicitly say whether we think um, Penn State wins the Big Ten or not. So, Matt, who do you have winning the East? Who do you have winning the West? And who do you have winning the Big Ten championship game? I have the Penn State Nittany Lions against those pesky Wisconsin Badgers. uh, And I have Penn State winning uh, a close one in Indianapolis. I'll go quickly because I have the same thing. Bill, how about you? Uh, Michigan versus who? I have Michigan against Wisconsin, and I have Michigan winning the conference championship game. Can we, really quick, can we handicap Wisconsin's chances at beating any of the three from the East in the championship game? Like twenty percent chance? Uh, I think a little higher. Sickles so, teams play up. Well, the, I, I mean, I don't care about like respectfully, Matt. I don't care about that. I what I care about is that Wisconsin is going to go into this season 
One, on the, they lost the best defense coordinator in football in Jim Leonard and replaced him with the best defensive head coach in football, potentially, in uh, in Luke Fickle. So I'm almost not concerned uh, about anything on the defensive side of the football for them. On the offensive side of the football, they are going through, you know, the only bigger change from a power running team. Uh, you know, we're using the fullback, we're using three tight ends, we're using a big offensive line to what they're trying to do now, which is more spread thing is going from the triple option to this. Right. And I think that what Luke fickle has done is he brought in an offense coordinator who knows how to do that. He brought in a quarterback importantly, who knows how to do that in Tanner Mordecai, one of the best quarterbacks in college football and at running this exact system. And we'll see what the offensive line looks like trying to uh, block for that. But I think if they are able to put enough together to get to the Big Ten championship game, which would include probably losing to Ohio State at home, but beating just about everybody else, they're going to be a really, really good football team. So, you know, maybe it's 60-40, maybe it's 70-30, I don't know, but I think they're going to have a much better shot than uh, a lot of the Big Ten West flotsam that has made it in recent years. Flip, who's the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year? Uh, It's the easy answer. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. That guy is unbelievable. Like in terms of like actual relative to his position, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best football player in America. It's not close. I I also have Marvin. You could argue Brock Bowers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. But the the, the thing is, I, I also have Harrison and. The reason that I am pick- as do I, and the reason that I'm picking him, uh, and the reason I would pick him even for that thing that you just said, Nick, over Brock Bowers, is I I think he is clearly the best receiver in the country. I think he has like he can go number one in the NFL draft, and I think mm-hmm. he will go number one in the NFL draft. So. I'm picking him. I think he is just, he's a magnificent football player that I, I think when I think Kalen King has the potential to be the best or the second best of cornerback in all of college football. And I think he is going to give it his all against Marvin Harrison jr. And slow him down relative to what everyone else does. And Marvin Harrison jr. Still might end up with eight catches for 120 yards and two touchdowns. Like he's just that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Certainly is the the most fascinating timeline for the NFL draft next year. And I say fascinating. I'm not happy about it because I am a Seahawks fan. The Cardinals could end up with number one and number two next year and take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. See, it's funny you say that because I was talking about this with some friends earlier. uh, And I actually think that them they are setting things up so that they can completely shut Kyler Murray down for this entire season keep him oh, yeah. at quarterback next year and go like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Olu Fashanu one two, which oh, which 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 is e- which is even worse for you because then you have to root watch a team where you are rooting against Olu Fashanu. Of course it's the Cardinals, so they'll still win only six games, but that's neither here nor there. I think it's probably more likely that they would trade Kyler or try to get a third first round sure. pick. But regardless. Um all right, Bill, defensive player of the year. Who you got? Uh I actually have Abdul Carter. I mean, I think that he is, I think that linebacker play in the Big Ten is always something that is going to end up being highlighted. I think that his raw numbers and, you know, especially for defense, like offense is a little bit different. 
uh, because people are just a lot more in tune to what they're watching on the offensive side of the football. But on defense, so much of it is going to be about the narrative around a player. And I think as the year goes on, the narrative is going to line up to the numbers on Abdul Carter. And all these things are going to kind of come together so that like uh, Tommy Eichenberg at Ohio state is a really good linebacker, but I think everybody's going to think Abdul Carter is just a hundred percent clear of him. He's going to have the havoc plays. He's going to have the consistency plays. He's going to be anchoring uh, perhaps the best defense in all of college football. So I'm going to end up going Abdul Carter here. Matt. Bill, uh, we're aligned again. I think it's going to be Abdul Carter. I think the breakout is it definitely came towards the end of last year, but I see a Parsons-esque rise nationally for Abdul Carter this year. I've got Cooper DeGene. I knew you were going to say Cooper DeGene. Cooper. I knew it. Yeah. You love corners. I, I really love him. Yeah, I think he's an unbelievably good football player. Um, I would and not at all be surprised to see. I think both he and Kalen King will be first team All Americans next year. That'll be that'll be super fun for the Big Ten. Um, but yeah, I think he's an outstanding football player. I think kind of like if you're a linebacker in the Big Ten, you get a bump. If you're a defensive player on Iowa, you get a bump. That's true. So I think if he uh, if he does what he's you know seems to be prepared to do, I think he's gonna I think he's gonna take Defensive Player of the Year. Last one here before we go bold predictions, Matt. Who do you have for coach? of the year in the big 10 some interesting how, options this year how did you gentlemen feel about eight win nebraska oh no Not i'm gonna good. i i i think you go you both are gonna say luke fickle and i think it could easily be him but wisconsin is has gr- really good bones wisconsin has a certain floor nebraska is completely bottomed out and for all his flaws i really do i i really do think matt rule is a very good football coach and i know some people disagree but i i think matt rule can coach ball I like what he's brought in. I think that Matt Rule, Penn State alum, is going to be the Big Ten coach of the year. Bill? No, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely going with Fickle. I think that Wisconsin at coming off of a season that was just so blah. Like, I think we forget. You know, Matt, you were just talking about, um, you know, Wisconsin has a certain floor. Uh, this, this, this. I think people forget Wisconsin went six and six last year before their bowl game and went four and five in big 10 play. Mm -hmm. And I think if Luke fickle comes in, gets them right back to winning double digit games and gets them through the big 10 West and into the big 10 championship game. I think he's going to walk to this. I think Luke fick. I think it's obvious that Luke fickle has the easiest path to doing this also because I think the big 10 at large as a conference is hyped to have landed Luke fickle in the conference. Mm -hmm. So I I think there's, I think, yeah, I think there's a little bit of like, like we're happy to have you. Like let's, you know, you, you did a great job here. I think the only person who maybe has an argument to being able to walk to this award more easily with just even like nine wins, I think it's Loxley at Maryland. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me. Um, yeah, just because that's really good. I, I don't think it's going to be him, mind you. I don't think Maryland's going to win nine games. But I think um, I think those two are the clear favorites in terms of their paths are the most clear to winning it. Um, but I actually think it's going to be James Franklin. I think if Penn State wins the Big Ten, I don't think that they're going to be able to keep that award from him. I know, you know, when you win it, because he won in, did he win it? Actually, has he won it? I don't think he won it in 16. 
I don't think so either. So actually, that cements this even more in my mind. Um, I think he, once you win it once, your chances decrease he, he, significantly. He, uh, he, he did win it in 2016. Did he? Okay. He did win it in 2016. Okay. Even still, though, that's it's been six years now. I, I think if Penn State goes on to win the Big Ten, as I'm predicting them to do, I think they do give it to Franklin. Um, I think Fickle will be the runner-up, obviously, and it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if Fickle did win it, even if Penn State won the conference. Matt, I, not Matt, Nick. If I could just ask you a really quick question on Mike Loxley. Sure. Um, yeah. If he wins nine games, it is almost mm-hmm. un- unless they shock one of the Big Ten East teams, it is almost certain that they would end up winning nine games, but losing to all of Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Do you think you can still give it to him even for winning nine games, even if uh, they don't beat another team that has pro- – they probably don't beat another team that won six games and all of that? Yeah, I think no. Um, I think I think he has to win – I think he has to win one of the three – I'm really quickly pulling up Maryland's schedule just so I can see for myself. It's bad. Towson, Charlotte, UVA, Michigan State, Indiana, Ohio State, Illinois, Northwestern, Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan, Rutgers. Yeah, nah, I, I don't. I think you got to beat one of. The, if you do beat one of the three, I think you cakewalk to it at that point. Sure. But um, nah, I, yeah, I think he's. I think he's got to get one of those three sure. personally. Okay. All right. Before we close things out today, let's go with our one bold prediction each. Um, I mean, I guess I'm assuming this is Penn State related. I guess I didn't specify, but. Oh, is um, it Penn State related? Oh, I had a Big Ten one. No, no. Let's keep what you got, Matt. What's your one bold prediction for the Big Ten here? So I know the divisions are going away, but at the end of 2023, more than half of what was the Big Ten East will be looking for new coaches. More than half. So I assume you're saying Harbaugh to the NFL. Are you saying day to the NFL? No, not day to the NFL. Day is going to, day is going to be sticking around. I think Harbaugh is going to move on. I think Indiana has no choice, but the part with the Tom Allen, a likelihood. I think Rutgers and Shiano, if it bottoms out, could get ugly. I Hmm. think Michigan state. Could have to be open to paying Mel Tucker's buyout after a three and nine season. Nah. No. All right. We'll see. No. That's why it's bold. That's why it's bold. That it that, is. That's true. It that's is. Bold. It is bold. But I believe that Mel Tucker's buyout is probably going to be something. I think it's something like in the seventy to eighty million dollar range after this year, <laughs> or sixty to seventy. It's 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 something that begins with a bare minimum a six and has eight figures. And uh, I will. Uh, Nick and I will enjoy your rank. vacation, Mel. Yeah. Nick and I will pull rank on you for this one as people from New Jersey. Uh, they're not firing Greg Schiano unless Greg Schiano, unless Greg Schiano is like arrested for something. And even then, I am unsure they would fire Greg Schiano. All right. All they would right. make we'll Schiano. Yeah. They would make Schiano the governor of New Jersey before they fired him from coaching Rutgers. Yeah. That, he he has this job that job for as long as because that's the other thing. If you fire Greg Schiano from Rutgers the guy who every single high school coach in New Jersey would like die for, who are you hiring to at least have some like modicum of respectability in the state? I agree. It's bold. I agree. It's bold, but I do no like one. talking about bold <laughs> predictions. Yeah. And yeah. my, my Penn state one is a keen Beeman um, plays his way into a day two NFL draft pick. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Bill, what do you got? Uh, Nick Singleton's going to New York city a little bit later. Whoa. Yeah, I, I think that I love Katron Allen, and I think that he is going to have a very big year. 
but kind of going back to a thing I said a little bit earlier, hype is so important when it comes Mm -hmm. to winning awards. I think Nick Singleton has a ton of hype coming into this season. I think that he is going to put up gigantic numbers this season as a guy in the return game, as a running back, as a guy who's catching passes. And if he is able to get to, you know, 14, 1500 rushing yards, if he is able to add another 400 some odd uh, yards through the air for a Penn State team that doesn't really have, doesn't really have established receiving option. It has one established pass catcher in Keandre Lambert Smith and then a bunch of question marks uh, among its wide receivers. And he can add a return touchdown or two. I think Nick Singleton is going to put up such insane numbers that it might be as the fifth guy out of five. It might be as the third guy out of three but I think he's going to be going to New York. I think a bold prediction is him going to New York for the Heisman ceremony. I love it. It is quite the array of running backs in the Big Ten right now. It's wild, dude. Corum, Edwards, Singleton, Allen, Allen, and uh, Travion Henderson. It's it's pretty insane. Yeah. And, and to be clear, when, my, you, when you when you said Allen, you didn't necessarily mean Katron. You might have meant Braylon Allen over in Wisconsin. There are two. I actually meant Katron first, and two, then I had to say Allen again. There are for two Allens who fit here. Yes. Yeah. Um, my bold prediction is that Mr. Keandre Lambert Smith goes is. for eleven hundred yards wow. this season. That would match what Jahan Dotson did in his final season in Happy Valley. That is my bold prediction. And it's more so I I like the receiving options that Penn State has this year, even if they're unproven. I think there's some really interesting possibilities. I expect Mike Yursich to, you know, I expect this to see the best we've seen of him as far as creative play calling goes. But I think Keandre Lambert Smith ends up becoming that alpha dog that we hope he hope he can be. Um, and I think he ends up going for eleven hundred or more receiving yards in twenty twenty three. Anything else, gentlemen, before we get out of here that you want to toss into the the podcast universe as far as predictions for this season goes? Matt, anything? Uh, it's going to be fun. We're going to have an impossible amount of fun this season. We're going to have a blast on this ride. Matt predicts fun. Good to know. Bill, anything? No, nothing Nothing I can think of. All right. Well, then I think we've gone on long enough here. The next time you hear our voices, we will be previewing Penn State's first game of the regular season against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Real quick, as a note going forward from the podcast, you can expect at least two podcasts from us per week. We will always have a review, a recap podcast. We will always have a preview podcast. The only uh, exceptions to this rule is that sometimes we might have three. Uh, sometimes, you know, midway during the week, there's if there's something interesting enough for us to hop on here and talk about, we will make it a three podcast week, you know, probably around when like playoff rankings start coming out, especially we'll have some midweek episodes for that type of stuff. So be sure that you are locked into wherever you listen to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed, make sure you follow, make sure you leave us a five star review if you can helps us get into the ears of more listeners, especially with the regular season starting along here. Uh, Make sure if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit follow, like, subscribe, hit the alert bell as well. And make sure you're following us on Twitter at RLR blog because we will often do uh, spaces after the game where we get some immediate reactions and 
it's really fun to have people who follow us hop in and ask questions and just talk about the game. It's a good time. We'll also attempt to do uh, some live stuff before the game this year again. It went pretty well last year, uh, so we'll try to work that out again going forward. Make sure you visit homefieldapparel.com. Use that code RLR23 at checkout for 15% off of your first order. But that is going to do it for us here today. For myself, Nick Pollock, for my co-hosts, Bill DeFilippo, Matt Filipovitz, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Go State. Go State.